0: I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to a very special edition of the Purple Patch Podcast. I am your host, as ever, Matt Dixon, and this is... Number 100, the 100th Purple Patch Podcast. So we must today do something a little different and maybe a little special. Today, we're gonna go back and travel across all of the last 100 shows. I've spent some fun hours reflecting and reviewing on some of the key episodes so far. And today, I'm gonna distill into my Matt Dixon quick hits for the first 100. Four pieces of the puzzle. That's what I managed to distill it down. Four acts, as it were. So what would these be? Well, at one, we're going to start with my story. Yes, I know, my favorite subject. But it's important for the context of all of the purple patch methodology and the approach to performance and everything that we speak about in this show. Remember, our mission? To empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential? Well, we're gonna go into that today in my story a little bit. Act two, we'll go to the pillars of performance, the foundational lens of everything purple patch. And I mean everything. Everything that drives our coaching team, our athletes, and everything that drives our way of thinking. Your catalyst to performance. Act three, we're gonna deviate a little bit and dive into the ever-present traits and characteristics of high performance. Some of the best I've got to work with, world-class athletic performers with some captains of industry and business leaders. Who are the most successful and what sets them apart from the also rants And finally, we apply. I'm gonna go through and distill it all down to the habits around energy management and sustained best performance. I review the key habits to integrate, to optimize training adaptations, recovery, and sustain daily energy. The complex boiled down to the simple. A packet of four acts, all from the magic of the last 100 episodes. But before we do that, we've got some fun stuff to do. No squatty update this week. We are going straight for the jugular, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. Hit it, Barry. We like the way he thinks. Serious with a wink. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary word of the week. And the word of the week this week for the 100th episode is you. Yes, you. You guys the listeners, because you are the ones that make this show worthwhile, fun, interesting, compelling, and ultimately viable. But who are you all? Well, what I'd like to do today is introduce you a little bit, because over the last 100 episodes, we've secured over 5 million listens. 5 million, think about that. That's like the population of Wyoming, Vermont, Washington, D.C., Alaska, North Dakota and South Dakota all combined. Now, we still don't have any purple patch athletes from South Dakota, but we do in North Dakota, don't we, Erica? We never thought it was going to turn into something like this. And let's take this into context. You probably assume this is all recorded in a lovely, bright, sparkling studio. After all, the Purple Patch Centre is right at the finishing touches. We are providing a production facility to ourselves. We're going to have a magical studio. But as I speak right now, where am I? Well, I think for our 100th episode, I should paint the picture a little bit. So as I stand and I record these standing up, To my left is an Indian dress. Yep, Kelly just returned from her meditation retreat. To my feet surrounding, high heels and knee-high boots. Behind me, the shelves that house all of Kelly's shoes. Surrounding me, sweaters and t-shirts providing the acoustic buffering. Yes, I'm in my closet. But from this launch pad this week, Made Magic by Kerry, our podcast genius. I want to give you a few fun facts. So over the last 100 episodes, what do you think our most listened to episode has been? Oh, this one pains me, guys. It pains me. Because I have to give credit. The most listened to episode we've ever had is Sami the Bull. Sami the bull. Yes, indeed. It was the interview we did with Sami Inkanen very early in the show's genesis. If you haven't listened to it, it's worth going back. Sami Inkanen, a magical athlete, the epitome of the time-starved athlete, and so many lessons to draw from in business and life. And what about you guys, the listeners? We know there are a lot of you, but where are you? Where are the actual listeners coming from? It's probably no surprise, but the U.S. constitutes our largest audience. Next up, England. So maybe, just maybe, my home country hasn't quite forgotten about me yet. Although in digging deeper there, we did find out that of all the audience in England, 98% are in Essex. And from Simons Avenue in Essex, which is the street that I happen to grow up. So maybe, maybe just something fishy is going on there. But we also have listeners in Ireland and Australia and Germany and Netherlands and Spain and France. And many of the European countries are represented. But, and this staggers me, we've had listeners in over 130 countries. And some of these include, and I want to give a special thank you to these folks, include a bunch of listeners from Ecuador, United Arab Emirates, Korea, Rwanda, Russia, Niger, Armenia, Somalia, Angola, Vietnam, Kazakhstan. A quick shout out to our three Purple Patch athletes who reside in Kazakhstan, Nepal. Well, you guys get the picture, I could carry on. And I wanna add a special, whoever you are, I'd love to know, in fact, tell me on social media, At Purple Patch Fitness on Instagram, at Purple Patch on Twitter. Who are the little armies from Guernsey, Jersey, Isle of Man? Although I'm assuming that's Mark Cavan just now. Who knows? But to each one of you, you listeners, a massive thank you for being inquisitive and inspired to drive towards the best version of yourself. To seek more purple patches in your life and strive for excellence. To you, our word of the week. And with the word of the week, I want to give you a promise because we at Purple Patch promise to seek to deliver better and better content. We aim to broaden our performance content to reach as many people as possible. We're not gonna fall for quick fixes. We're gonna be aiming to be your filter of quackery and shills. We will seek to deliver authentic performance knowledge in the hope of empowering and inspiring you. And finally, I tell you this, guys, we'll listen. Our goal won't be to push some agenda or just broadcast opinion. We're also going to seek to continue to learn and grow because, what well, what do I say? Evolve or die, something like that. But this is our commitment to you. And that is why, with a tear in my eye, I say that the word of the week this week is you. The Purple Patch Podcast, listeners and athletes. And with that, let's lock arms. Let's walk towards the sun and let's do, together as a collective, the meat and potatoes. Yes, the meat and potatoes, 100 episodes, I've got to admit, I had quite a bit of fun with this one. We began the show with the goal of continuing the rich history of Purple Patch Education around all aspects of performance. And our goal has been to be ultimately kind of the antidote for all of the misinformation and confusing promises out there, the quackery, the quick fixes, that ultimately for us that are driven to performance only add to long-term frustration and confusion. We want to take... The incredibly complex and ultimately distill it down to understandable and applicable. That's what we're trying to do. And I guess that it's really just more of the same. This Purple Patch podcast is more of the same of where this Purple Patch journey really began. And so for act one today, I wanna go back and revisit The Purple Patch Journey, my story a little bit. We're going to tackle my favorite subject. Yep, me. Now, I could go on and on and on like a drunk uncle at a dinner party, but I'm going to give you the abbreviated version with a few little juicy details, provide some extra context to you. But I really think that this is important for us because this story provides the framework and the grounding of the whole Purple patch methodology. And so, yes, I grew up in Essex, but I came to the States in 1992. And the reason I came was I was a really lucky recipient of a swimming scholarship. So, from the golden line streets of Essex, England, my town, very similar to kind of like growing up on the Jersey Shore to the uninitiated, to the mean streets and cornfields of the Midwest of America. My goal in coming here in 92 was the Atlanta Olympic Games in 96. And to bolster the journey towards that, I had, self-admittedly, a crazy work ethic in a sport that ultimately demanded such. 25 to 27 hours a week of swimming weekly, all for events lasting one to four minutes in duration. Now, I missed the team in 96, but I did secure a degree And I also went on to coach some fabulous age group swimmers to kickstart my career as a coach. My journey took me from age group swimming coaching to South Carolina to study a master's degree in clinical physiology while coaching at the same time at the university swim team. And that, Columbia, South Carolina, where I found real bike riding and triathlon. I had age group success. I tended to do pretty well. But then... I returned to the UK with masters in hand and I thought ultimately that my time in America was probably over. At the time my dad was on the route to passing on from cancer and I was well beyond his death a bit directionless and after some months chasing London clubs over fitness my inner drive ultimately pulled me back to America and a quest for professional triathlon i hopped on a plane with simply a tourist visa a bag and a bike and the simple goal was to try and make it as a professional triathlete and after all background in elite sport already a little age group triathlon success a masters degree in physiology and now a strong coaching background surely this was my destiny surely i could break through to world class performance well On taking back up triathlon at the highest level, I quickly applied the same crazy work ethic that I had in swimming. I wanted to outwork anyone. I wanted to be tougher. The route to success was running through brick walls. But here, guys, is the problem. All elite athletes are tough. And through my journey, I ignore the importance of recovery, My habits in nutrition and fueling were really pretty poor. Strength work was relegated as a pure distraction. Short-term success was quickly replaced with long-term fatigue. In a word, I was fit and fatigued and the whole sport for me became a chore. Slowly, my confidence ebbed and my system collapsed. Simply put, I am the shining example of how to build a professional career, no, any performance journey, really poorly. My pro sport was over really before it had even begun. And so why do I burden you with my tales of underperformance? Well, this was, for me, the most important period of my coaching life. It became a forced point for me of reflection. And this experience sowed the seeds of a methodology and a belief that lives on to this very day. As I sat in a well of fatigue, I reflected on endurance sports at the time. And I realized that my experience was just an extreme version of the norm. At the professional world-class level and absolutely across the lives, not just the sporting, but the lives of time-starved amateurs, all I saw was a display of massive underperformance relative to the dedication and the work applied. The barometer of success at that time was measurable simply in the accumulation of miles and hours, with aspects such as recovery, fueling, hydration, strength, simply poo-pooed as an afterthought or even a sign of weakness. The fog of the fit and fatigued hung thick, and the only answer I heard was a call to do more, do more, do more, go harder, go harder, go harder. Coaching was anchored in the spirit of following orders and doing as one was told. Obedience trumped collaboration. And so when I began coaching triathletes, I was committed to doing things, what radically different than my observations of the norm. And out of this experience, I decided that I was gonna commit to consistency over accumulation, education over dictatorship, and a completely different barometer of what training success looked like. I was gonna build programs within the context of all of life's commitments and stresses, because I just simply couldn't see a way how sporting performance could happen in a vacuum without a strong integration of all aspects of life. At this time, I became obsessed with the topic of stress and its effect on the body. And what we could achieve if we bucked the norm of the time and the accumulation of hours and committed, and I mean truly committed, to aspects that I felt were so important yet so often ignored. And it was during this phase derived from both our approach to the sport as well as a lot of writings that I did in magazines and publications that I somehow stumbled across this title, The Recovery Coach. And I don't mean that people called me The Recovery Coach through a favorable lens. I was rejected at the time as some quack, a promiser of a shortcut or the quick fix, the antithesis of my real message. But over time, our results started to shine and the methodology became more accepted, the Purple Patch approach was born from these experiences. And sure, it's evolved, remember, evolve or die, but the very basic essence and belief of integration, education, and consistency to drive performance remains to this day, And so it's no surprise that the mission of Purple Patch remains to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. And this is through the lens of athletic potential. You reach, and this sounds grandiose, human potential. Yes, it sounds grandiose, but it's authentic. And so to ground us, act one, we must appreciate where we came from, hence the history and the why of Purple Patch. But to act two, now we need to put it into action a little bit. We must explore the how. What is the defining framework of how we make this happen? And so let's begin act two with a really simple reminder. Well, I might even say a simple fact. Here's a fact that we have shown again and again and again. When someone maintains an appropriate endurance training program, which includes integrated strength, there's that word integrated again, has a backbone of simple yet critical habits of nutrition and is all supported with enough recovery, including sleep, they accelerate every single time. And this statement, it applies to world-class athletes but it also applies to every performance-minded individual, including you. But you must be able to put it into action. You must find your performance recipe and develop the tools to be able to make smart decisions, establish really simple habits, and commit to a journey. Because no matter what your ambition is or your goals, commitment and pragmatism must reign in equal part. So how did we get to this statement? Training program, integrated strength, backbone of nutrition supported recovery. Well, in honesty, it's derived from observations across many years and many types of athletes and emerges from our educational tool and our guiding light for performance, the purple patch, pillars of performance. Remember that I said I was committed to doing things differently? Well, the pillars of performance were the expression of this commitment. If at the time that we started, obsession amongst endurance athletes was the accumulation of hours of endurance training, with supporting habits relegated to an afterthought, I had to buck the trend. I had to try and break the mold. My mindset and my behavior had to spread across what I saw as all of the critical components to success. And I also needed a framework to allow my coached athletes to fall into line, to be able to think and see the performance world the same as me. And so what I looked to do was to create a unique but really common and simple language, a framework to access success stories across these areas. And what emerged out of this was four pillars. Endurance, strength, nutrition, and recovery. Memorable, endurance, strength, nutrition, recovery. Now, break each of these apart and under each one, there is a host of subcategories, of course. In recovery, we have sleep, meditation, season planning, easy sessions, modalities of recovery. The list can go on. In nutrition, we have fueling, hydration, daily eating. I know you get it. But what these pillars did do was provide a way of thinking and a framework for coaching conversations and resetting and reestablishing what training was. Because these pillars allowed us as a team, both athletes and coaches, to collectively redesign what the plan was. Because the plan was no longer about endurance training, For triathletes, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. Now, the plan was a dedication to placing all four pillars as an equal component of the plan with equal emphasis and value. Recovery wasn't an afterthought. It was a part of the program. A training session was not complete until the athlete had fueled post-workout. And so the four pillars became the plan and every coaching conversation anchored around them. And guess what? It hasn't changed. Purple patch athletes integrated year-round strength. Nutrition habits and hydration were as much a topic as hill repetitions on the run. We shifted the mindset of sleep and recovery away from it being a sign of weakness towards it being a sign of performance catalyst. And it is why we still say it takes courage to recover. You can read that in the center. It's all over the walls in neon. There's no better example of this in action than in episode 10 of the show, when I dive into the journey of Chris Lieto, who is, quite frankly, a triathlon legend. And he who cracked the code and exploded to second at the Hawaii Ironman World Championships with a complete evolution of think and approach across these very pillars that I discuss. And the key to all of this is that these pillars live on. They were born as a tool to simply frame conversations and allow athlete education, all from my own experience and observations of the sport, just 15 years ago but now they still define the mindset and behavior of every single Purple Patch coach. And I would argue that you shouldn't even be a Purple Patch athlete if you don't truly buy into these pillars and their connectivity to longevity and the ability to help you thrive in sport and life. Members of the upcoming center will adopt these pillars. And the reason for that is the whole center is designed around them. Far from some call fitness space, the Purple Patch Centre is a home of grounding, a way of approach in both life and performance. The whole centre is a living and breathing expression of the pillars of performance. They sound important, don't they? Well, guess what? (laughs) They are, because every Purple Patch programme is infused and designed around them which means that now it is time to move on in the play. You have the backstory, you have the pillars, but now let's move to act three. What's one of my favorite words? Ah, yes, excellence. If we buy into the approach, my question is, among you, who are the ones that consistently displays excellence of execution? You see, a philosophy and a methodology is important. It provides the framework and the compass of how we're gonna progress towards your mission and North Star. But the truth is that some people are just simply better at staying on course, driving towards their goal, course correcting, and adapting to evolving needs and landscapes. And at the pinnacle of this, are the most successful world class athletes that I've been very, very lucky to guide, as well as some of the highest performing C level executives in business. But every single person, employee, performance driven athlete has absolutely the ability to learn, adopt, and lean into these traits for their own journey. And many, many athletes have. Over the last 15 years, we've got shining examples of what you might label, pretty ordinary people doing absolutely exceptional and inspirational things. They themselves have become quiet leaders, not often grabbing headlines, but shining examples of how to yield maximal performance from your own situation. And for me, ultimately, that's all that counts. Yes, the pros are great. Yes, the CEOs are interesting. But, We all look the same in our speedos. And so this journey isn't about who, it's about you. And it's a personal quest for excellence. And we all, every one of us, have it in us. But what are the traits? What are the pieces of the puzzle that help people excel? Well, the good news is between thriving mum who dazzles with effectiveness, organisation and nurture, to inspirational and epitome of an effective CEO, all the way to world-class athlete who's consistent in their optimising of performance relative to physical gifts, these traits that I talk about are startlingly similar. Even, you might say, the same. And so, for today's show, our 100th, in case you hadn't heard by now, Here are my traits, the big traits of excellence. I'm gonna bucket these up into five categories. Number one, mission-focused. These people that thrive always have a direction to their journey, something to compass off. They have an urge to create clarity of vision and a path to get there. They lean into a thirst for accountability, both for themselves and ownership of their journey, but also a support team. A couple of episodes ago, I talked about being account able. Well, here it is. But under this compass, they also create short and long-term goals. And so the first is being mission focused. The second characteristic that we often see, an unbreakable passion for the process. You've probably heard me talk about process, or process, as you might see, over outcome. Well, without this passion for the journey, your journey will never be optimized. And so with process over outcome, the best seek perspective and are equipped or learn to be really big picture thinkers. Do you consistently get caught in the weeds? It's really easy to do, but the best have a great capacity to come up a level, gain context and thrive from learning. The third characteristic, learn able. They love, they love growth and learning no they require learning the best people i've worked with always 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 seek understanding learning and growth they want to be held accountable to it and they are really really what's the word open they are really open to proper feedback as they understand that feedback is really a gift and it is a critical part of growth and improvement. And so we have three, they're mission driven. They have a wonderful passion for the process and journey and they are highly learnable. They need to grow and evolve. What do I say again? Evolve or die, yeah? Two more characteristics and this might surprise you. The best are habit driven. The performance world is complex. but the best, those that navigate it and excel, often with help, do a wonderful job of filtering and boiling down to very simple and repeatable things. Of all of the 25 or 30 things they could focus on, the very best tend to anchor 95% of their energy around three to five things that they must master. And in fact, you would be amazed if we peel back the curtain at the very simplicity of the conversation and habits of the very best. Train smart, recover well, eat great, keep it going. This ain't NASA, this is performance. So remember, we've discussed the need to nail the basics. The very best take that seriously. The worst, get caught in the blizzard of bullshit and don't have a compass. And finally, the last characteristic, the best have an absolute requirement for adaptability and resilience. Yes, they do great at course correction because there is an innate understanding that the line of performance is never linear. It is a right royal mess. But they display great physical resilience, mental resilience, and they have what might be called a superpower of being change able. They do a great job of adapting and evolving in environments that are always inevitably, unbreakably changing. Well, we are hitting a big one today, guys. One more to go. On our journey back across the hundred, we have cemented the origins, we have framed the methodology, we've highlighted the traits of those that are most successful, but now we must dive down into the day-to-day. We must apply and get practical. Because I went through these episodes and I thought, what is the one thing that every listener could benefit from, can be grounded and get a performance yield just from listening to this show. We've talked about coachability. We've talked about hydration, nutrition, acclimation. We've had interviews with pros. We've had interviews with CEOs. We've had people that have survived fires. We've had people that have lost 100 pounds in weight and finally started on the starting line and got to the finish line of a half Iron Man. But what's the one thing that touches everyone? daily life, daily life. And so for act four, the final act in this play, these are your critical habits, there's that word habits, your critical habits for daily energy management. Now, there's no point integrating training into life as I like to say, if by doing so, it leaves you with low energy and fatigue throughout the day. Because if we think about it, the vast majority of us don't just need to perform in training sessions. Instead, we seek, in fact, we must thrive in life, work, family, health. Because this is, at the end of the day, as much about vibrancy as it is about getting faster. No, hang on, it's more about vibrancy than it is getting faster. And so what can you do to optimize energy in daily life so that you can remain highly effective and minimize those energy dips? Oh, just that little mini episode of the blue. It doesn't need to be complicated, nor does it require you to download some app. You don't have to commit to some new cult or diet. It's all about a few simple habits and a commitment to cementing them. Cement is hard. It needs to be unbreakable. And so with that troops, number 100, let's go through to finish the show and let's get them. in what I would say is probably order of priority. Habit number one, it's very simple. Fuel after every workout. Seriously, fuel after every workout. Get consuming calories following your workouts. Now, for workouts less than 75 minutes, those seldom require calories within, but every single one of your training sessions are best supported with a good restock following. It maximizes recovery and the yield of performance via adaptations, but most importantly, it reduces stress spreading in the rest of the day. It lowers your cortisol levels. It limits signals of what I call athletic starvation. It opens up control over your eating choices, both types of eating and the amount that you're eating in the rest of the day. Post-workout fueling is, simply put, your number one habit. It provides you with control, It reduces aspects such as hunger later in the day and it reduces urges for sleeping-induced carbs later in the workday and much, much more. It is a great habit for all. Number two, a shorter one. Adopt a training mindset, not an exercise mindset. What do I mean by that? Well, simply put, if you want to get the yield of showing up and working out, Do it in a structured and progressive way. The only way that you can get long-term results is to be part of a progressive program. Random equals random results every time. That's why there's such a challenge with box gyms or boutique fitness places. It's a la carte, it's random. It might give you a little boost. It might even be joyous, and I get that. You might have a cult of community, but don't expect you to deliver optimal results if you're exercising. Every person, not every athlete, every person should train. Just remember, characteristic number one, Make sure that you fuel afterwards. Number three, sleep. Prioritize sleep. Oh, so much easier said than done, I hear you say. But let me tell you this. Sleep is, this is scientifically valid, sleep is your number one recovery tool. So don't get drawn into loads of really expensive modalities before you prioritize sleep. Think about your environment and the temperature. Keep it cool and keep it dark. And think about the duration because quality is critical. But we must understand our body clock and our tendencies, but realize that slow, low sleep hours are not a badge of honor. Instead, they are a mark of performance stupidity. Did you hear me? A mark of performance stupidity. We all need at least seven hours. There are very, very few people that can thrive on six, but anything less is going to, underline, going to accumulate to low productivity. And if you can around these markers of really good quality and ongoing sleep, if you can, embrace the naps or the downtime. Five to 15 minutes of quiet time daily. You don't even have to fall asleep for it to be effective, but it is your performance enhancer, especially for productivity in the afternoon. And number four, hydration. You see, here's the thing. Dehydration makes you sleepy. Dehydration makes you hungry. You eat more and therefore You get sleepy. Hydration is an energizer. So keep the bunny batteries of life fully charged. Hydrate. Oh, and by the way, it's also your platform of health and a route to a stronger immune system. Pretty compelling in a bite-sized chunk that, eh? So if we get these four things right, hydration, sleep, training, and fueling, you're gonna be, well, you're gonna be well on your way. Now to this, we could add a few other snippets. And so I'll throw them in there like little hundreds of thousands on top of this wonderfully baked cake. Eat a great breakfast daily. Lean into meditation. It's powerful and it's very real for your performance toolbook. Manage over-consumption of starchy carbohydrates in the middle of the day, but only if you've had a great breakfast and you do a good job of post-workout fueling. That's the important thing to get right, and then you get the right to gradually reduce your carbohydrate content in the middle of the day. And finally, limit afternoon caffeine, but please do embrace a hot drink in the afternoon, hot water with lemon, mint tea, whatever floats your boat. But the reason for that is that that hot fluid boosts energy via ramping your core temperature and therefore is offsetting the sleepiness with that little dip that's just simply associated with your natural circadian rhythm. You get the picture. Now, note what I didn't say. I didn't offer a quick fix. I didn't offer a machine or an app or a voodoo diet. And if nothing else, that's it. It's the tenant of Purple Patch across these first hundred episodes. And I'm sure the hundred coming ahead, the story, the approach, the traits for you to excel, the habits to provide a platform of energy and health. Those are my pick for the hundred, but please avoid getting distracted and confused, getting drawn into the little sprinkles. Do the basics right. Trust your resources but don't look for special quick fixes. And so here we are at the end of episode 100. So what's next? Well, how about we do this? Why don't you tell me? If you have ideas or requests, I'd love to take them into consideration. Email me. Here's the email address, question at purplepatchfitness.com and let us know. Do you want a guest, a topic, a path to explore? We'd love to hear. I'd also love to hear your own questions. Remember, if you offer us a question, I'm going to do all I can to answer it on here. So let us know. I'll pursue our answer. But as we hold hands and we depart for number 100, please let me reiterate how thankful we are. We want to share our message and this story with as many people as possible. And you can help. In fact, you really do help. Any positive review on Apple Podcasts helps people find us and spread the word. So we really appreciate your efforts and support. But for now, 100. (sighs) Thanks team. The Purple Patch team, Kerry, my tip, my hat, making a sound special. It's a special moment for me for us as a team, and for all of us, you guys. Remember the word of the week? It's a chance for celebration. But next week, back to business, back to homeostasis. But now, this is the beginning of the end. Remember, it takes courage to recover. Daddy knows best. Please don't wrestle a pig. And working hard doesn't mean you have to be strong like bull and smart like tractor and with that we are for today UN. thanks so much for listening this has been the purple patch podcast if you like what you hear would really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to apple Podcasts to subscribe rate and review the show The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!